Welcome to Clickbait and Switch, a marketing podcast that tries to cut through the bullshit and hook you up with what you need to know, what you don't, and what stories should be getting more love than they're getting. I'm Mark Delinsky on the other Mike Gisela Slizer. Now, today we've got an episode dedicated to cookies, those tasty, tasty things that marketers are addicted to. But there's been some updates since we recorded, and Giselle is going to break down some of the caveats that we need to put ahead of this episode. That's right. We recorded this episode about two weeks ago now, more or less. And since then, David Temkin, who is Google's Director of Product Management for Ads Privacy and Trust, that's a mouthful of a title. What a title. Good job, David. Uh, He announced that once third-party cookies are phased out, Google will not be building an alternative identifier to track individuals as they browse across the web, nor will they use them in their products. So they're fully breaking up with third-party cookies. Um, They don't believe the solutions will meet the rising consumer expectations for privacy or that they will stand up to the rapidly evolving regulatory restrictions and therefore they aren't sustainable long-term investment. So it's important, like when Google backs out, like there's a reason. They're, they don't screw around. That's it. I think after Google says, screw it, we can all um, kind of take a hint from that. He also says that people shouldn't have to accept being tracked across the web in order to get the benefits of relevant advertising. And advertisers don't need to track individual consumers across the web to get the performance benefits of digital advertising. This is a quote from his blog post, which we'll link to in the show notes. So there you have it. They are promising new targeting methods that they're developing. We've talked about it uh, in a couple episodes, Mark, uh, this flock thing (laughs) where the individual is kind of hidden in the crowd. So Google still believes on that. Um, But other than that, they do believe primarily and above all in first party cookies. So double down on SEO, I guess, is the takeaway. That's the takeaway. Invest in SEO and brand building. So there you have it. Now here's our episode recorded a couple of weeks ago about what happens when third party cookies go away. Welcome to Clickbait and Switch. Today, something a little special. We're going to cover a single topic, and it's all about cookies. So today is all about cookie talk. Are you excited, Gisela? Very, very excited. It's been a long time coming. We've promised this since the beginning of the podcast. Let's do it. All right, so cookies. Now, cookies are one way brands and markets have been tracking you all over the internet from what you buy, look at, and click. So at its inception, cookies were kind of a secret tool that the regular internet user who, say, isn't a programmer, marketer, advertiser had, had no idea about. Then we began noticing these weird coincidences where you felt like Big Brother was spying on you every time you sat at a computer. Oh, I looked at those pants and now I'm being targeted by those pants. Maybe there's something funny there. And there was. It was a cookie. It's a sign. You're not crazy. (laughs) They're watching everything you do. That's what a cookie does. So governments began to get involved. Groups of users began to speak up and brands began to shift business interests. So we ended up with notices on every website that said, hey, we use cookies. Is that okay with you? Click yes. You can modify your cookies. Do you want some cookies? Not all cookies. So it got crazy. Yeah. And we all just kind of agree without reading. Uh, whatever. Just give me the news. Click. Yes, Guardian. Thank you. So like actual cookies, digital cookies can be addictive for those consuming them and making them. So they capture all these tasty pieces of your information and then they collect together to make a bigger, more complete, fatter version of you complete with data. And it's interesting because these cookies are the bedrock of digital marketing and advertising. That is for sure right now. And the cool part is they're going to go away. They're becoming extinct. So shit's about to get real. That's right. And it is cool. It's a good thing. We'll get to that. But first, we should explain there are two types of cookies. This is essential to know, to understand what's going on. 
The first type of cookie is called first party cookie. And this is the one that originate in the first website you visit. The other type of cookie, it's the evil cookie. Let's call it that. Um, that's the third party cookies, which originated in a different website than the one you're visiting at the moment. So far, so good. So far, so good. Cookies are also very important to our marketing practices because they are the ones that match our actions to conversions. So anyone who's trying to prove ROI, um, among other things, relies on cookies to do so. We use cookies for various things. Basically, the four main ones would be targeting, retargeting, so targeting you again across the internet, building audience groups and finding new ones are also what cookies are for, and gaining intel on users and user journeys. Okay, so let's break that down maybe. So targeting is like, hey, you're a woman. We know you go to yoga. Maybe you'd like these yoga pants, right? Me? How do you know that, Mark? <laughs> So retargeting is you've looked at yoga pants and we're going to hit you up with more ads from the place that sells you yoga pants. As you buy your organic food online. As you've already bought your yoga pants and then they'll target you again 50 million times. Correct. And then building an audience group and finding new ones that just sort of like slots you into a category based on the information that that cookie has. Yeah. So a good example of this is Facebook. So when you receive ads on Facebook or when you make ads on Facebook, you can build a group of women that do yoga and buy yoga pants that live in the Montreal area. And then you can ask Facebook, find me a group like the one I have, but that is similar, but has different people in it. And that's when the gaining intel on users and user journey works. So like you're a woman, you like yoga, but you also shop at all of these other places on the internet. And this is where you go. And this is how you buy things. Well, uh, the user journey part is because third party cookies can track you across the internet. So now you can know that I bought the pants in Lululemon, but I also had a look at pants at Lole and then decided against it. And then I also went and bought juice online and looked at, I don't know, dog food. So you have my entire journey. And then I went back to Lululemon and bought more pants. <laughs> you were just really into those <laughs> pants. I was just really into it. So all of this is happening behind the scenes without you really knowing about it. And for a while, it was kind of like the deep, dark secret. But then everybody sort of got aware of it. They, they paid attention. And so different browsers began to come up with restrictions. Some browsers came out that blocked those different things. Safari has been blocking third-party cookies for a while. Firefox did it in 2019. And the big one is that in January 2020, Chrome announced it was going to phase out third-party cookies by 2022. And then Apple is also extending its restrictions to apps on their app stores. Big news. But then the big one we talked about another day is the EU might look to just block all of this entirely. You can't even target based on cookies at all. You can't even target, which is kind of fascinating. No target. No targeting. <laughs> no targeting for you. So platforms are really trying to make attempts at solutions. We recently talked about the Google Privacy Sandbox one. Just to explain what it is, there's a lot of pressure right now on Google because the value of brands around the internet kind of revolve around how they fare on Google itself and cookies play a big part on that because advertising, cookies, Google, everything is intertwined, right? So there's a lot of privacy on Google if they're going to get rid of cookies. How are they going to solve for that? And this privacy sandbox project that they came out with, um, its goal, its mission is to create a thriving web ecosystem that is respectful of users and private by default. 
there's five parts to this Google Sandbox project. One is to build an alternative to this recaptcha thing that authenticates that we are humans. You know, the one that it's like, can you read this and type what you're reading or how many pictures have bridges on them? That stuff that we all hate. Mm -hmm. Google is coming up with a solution for that. Is that a wheel? Is that wheel in that frame or the other frame? <sighs> Do you count both frames? I mean, that's kind of a light. Does the light have to be on? Anyways. Yeah. So they're coming up as part of this uh, sandbox solution with something to replace that. Then um, a tool that makes sort of a privacy budget, which limits the amount of data that websites can get. So each website will get a budget. I don't know how this budget will be allocated, what kind of privacy is worth how I don't know. We'll see. And they're also looking to a way to replace the way we measure conversion because what we were saying before, cookies are tightly tied to measuring results of campaigns. The one solution that we know of so far is this flock thing <laughs> that we talked about, which is basically their solution to the targeting portion of this conundrum. Um, and what it does is instead of targeting individuals like third-party cookies do now, you would target as an advertiser groups. So they claim that the privacy of the individual will be kind of hidden in the crowd. But still, there's a lot of issues with this. Um, there are still privacy concerns around this. There's no way so far for users to opt out of a group. Traditionally, things on the internet that attempt to group people in a certain way tend to perpetuate discrimination and stereotypes, so they're not great. Um, and of course, since Google would control all this data anyways, and they own it, there are still monopoly concerns. And to top it all off, if the EU regulation that bans targeting comes out soon, this wouldn't work. So keep trying, Google. So we're back to this situation, and here's the switch for today, is how do we replace cookies entirely? Like For us, we, we perceive cookies as basically a crutch like it's lazy for marketers it's lazy for advertisers and it's lazy for brands it's like oh it's just so focused on roi and retargeting and it's frankly annoying i have not once in my entire life said to anybody hey did you see this banner ad look at this banner ad that was awesome except when you made them not even <laughs> i don't think i've ever made a banner ad of like damn that's a fine banner ad i go that's banner ad <laughs> It says what it needs to, and if someone's interested, fine, they can click it. But in the end, the cookies aren't going to help build your brand any. They might help you sell an extra couple pair of pants, but they're not going to make you live in the minds of the people as the people where you should buy your pants from, regardless of whether you see an ad or not. That's right. They're a short-term solution, but a lot of brands and services and people have taken it on as a long-term solution, and now they're freaking out. Yeah, instead of brand building, they've just been cookie building and then relying on those the entire time instead of having a healthy, balanced diet of marketing. Correct. And you're teasing why we love this new world of cookie-less. Yeah, <laughs> selfishly for us, it's super good news. But in the, in the short term, there are some tech solutions that are being developed. Do you want to go through some of them? Yeah, let's uh, run quickly through some of them. So first one is called Unified ID 2.0. And all of you out there who are in this business might start to hear more and more about this. This is an industry solution that has been developed as part of the IAB Tech Lab project. The IAB, for those of you who don't know, is the Interactive Advertising Bureau. And it's an advertising business organization that develops industry standards and conducts research and provides legal support for the online advertising industry. So they're kind of the center of um, this collaboration that's going on among several partners across the industry. 
And what they're trying to build is some sort of solution that would eventually be turned over to an independent industry body that would take care of the governance of this solution and all the data in it. So it, it would take away this like monopoly and almost the privacy as well um, questions around a lot of the existing solutions right now. The catch, though, is that consumers would need to sign up with their email address for the program. So they would verify their email one time only and be able to establish their privacy settings and then kind of forget about it until they visit each website for the first time. Well, they have to accept to receive advertising and then they can really forget about it. So it's kind of asking a lot of the user because we have to willingly give our address and say, yes, please hit me with advertising. But at the same time, it's going to demand a lot of the brands because for me, who want to opt in to advertising instead of just accepting it because I have no choice, you'll better hit me with really good fucking advertising, right? Well, that's kind of it. Like at the moment you get to a certain site, if you have an ad blocker on your computer, they say, okay, will you accept advertising on this page? And if not, you can't access it. So it's basically working like this, just as a sort of a broader stroke, right? Yeah. So this Unified ID 2.0 also sounds a little bit like cookies, to be honest, uh, just managed differently. And again, this would be obsolete if they you were to ban targeting because it still means targeting. Interesting thought that we had some discussions around this at the agency with our media leads is the notion of using postal codes to target people. So back to the days of flyers where you would target people by zone and you could do this digitally, geo-targeting, but it still presents technically when it comes down to actually doing it, some challenges because, you know, um, there are virtual private networks, people move around and your API might change. So it's still a little bit of a challenge. Then we've got um, the people that are, let's call them the researchers or the measurers, they're coming up with solutions. For the ROI. So those needing to measure the effectiveness of their campaigns, there's, there's going to have to be some sort of you know, work yes. put in there. And that's where because Nielsen's come in. That's it. Because essentially, it's like we're going back to the days of out of home, where we put a banner out in the street. How did we used to measure that and bring that back into the digital world? So... Nielsen, that is traditionally an expert in measuring TV ratings, is coming up with a solution. And they also support the unified ID 2.0 effort that we talked about before. So they would sort of combine the two somehow. Don't know much of that yet. Uh, and then we have media companies acquiring research and measuring companies. So, for example, Bell has acquired Environics Analytics to bring them into the fold and help target and measure messaging in the digital world. So that's super interesting where you're getting a, a mainstream media company focusing on internal analytics in a very serious way. You know, the company has pledged to enhance its programs, combine its online and offline data and increase the pace of adding features to its platforms. Like it's it's a fascinating sort of war between, in Canada anyways, Bell and Rogers, but they're sort of both tooling up and looking to see how they can both outduel one another. <laughs> yeah, prepare for the cookie apocalypse, as they say. Well, that's it, because <laughs> Bell acquired Environics, Rogers bought Rouge Media. It's all happening. It's all happening. Then you also have a few startups here and there. The one I've heard about is one in the UK, who's launching a solution in the US and the UK that targets users based on intention. So not sure how that works yet. And again, it still uh, means that consumers need to willingly opt in. So I don't know, we're struggling with this big shift towards user opt-in, which really it's not crazy because if the ads are good and if they give me 
stuff that I need and they help me discover products or services that I that can improve my life um, or make things more convenient for me, maybe I would opt in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because there's a lot of sites that I hit on the internet and it's like, oh, will you accept advertising on this site? And I go, no. And I just leave it and I go somewhere else. Yeah. We go back to, it's, you know, at CloudRaker, we like to say that we make things people want instead of making people want things. And this shift um, feels more in tune with what we like doing. Yeah, because cookies have been a crutch for so long that it's going to be interesting for marketers and brands to finally break out of that once again and be like, okay, so we have to go back to brand building and actually owning, you know, the space in people's brains when it comes to brand shorthands. Like, what what do brands stand for? Why should I why why should I go for them? We were talking the other day. Like, if you're looking for a coat, a warm winter coat, what are the first couple brands that pop in your head? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some sort of standards, like maybe it's Canada Goose, maybe it's North Face, and maybe it's Patagonia. And then there you've got three. Everybody else, you know, needs to crack that top three of people's, like, I'm sure there are a ton of other companies making coats, but those are the three that have free real estate in my brain. Yeah. And if I think more deeply and start to think about, I don't know, buying local or other values in my life <laughs> that I align with, then I'll seek out the brands that really speak to me. So brand is really going to be important. But we should talk about one last um, solve before we wrap things up, which is first party cookies. First party cookies are still OK and are still out there. So what this means is that websites and companies are going to struggle and continue to build kind of their own database so they can offer advertising placements to others. So we have subscription models that are on the rise. We saw um, starting last year, I think a lot of blogs and um, magazines, online magazines start to build this uh, wall where you have to sign in in order to read content or to access content. And that's because they're building their first party cookie database. Then you have, of course, podcasts, things like Clubhouse or audio based. That's going to be interesting because I guess they use some sort of cookie, but they're not really reliant on third party cookies right now. And they're exploding (laughs) as a medium. So that's a more localized first party cookie option. Then you got stores, large stores, for example, in Canada, we have Loveless that has its own network and system for offering ads. And back in November, they acquired digital advertising technology to help them through that. But think of Loveless and all the brands they have and what they can offer to their brands in terms of product placements online and offline, right? Mm -hmm. So ultimately, Mark... What do we think is going to win? You said it. Well, people are going to have to focus on brand building. Yes. Building your brand is going to remain important. It's almost going to have a comeback where people are going to have to focus on the long term rather than just those short term gains because short term gains are going to be harder to come by. So CEOs, VPs, marketers, investors are going to have to remember what patience is like. And patience has been very hard over the past couple of years, especially through 2020. Um, You're going to look at creativity is going to be again at a premium because the only way you're going to be able to stand out is to is to sort of break out and you know combine with those strategic placements a bit like out of home was back in the day maybe it's digital but your content's got to be good people are going to want to consume it rather than just being force fed it which is kind of interesting that's right so i guess that's our advice to brands and services and small businesses out there focus on building your brand 
get some creativity in your toolbox, some creative minds. Yeah. And the last thing would probably be a bit more of a content strategy. You're going to have to look at a mix, whether it's long form, short form content on different platforms, you know, just make sure people actually want to consume the stuff that you're putting out into the world. And that's kind of what, you know, good marketing and good branding is. That's it. So I'm excited about a cookie list world. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, the advertising renaissance. Yeah, it could be really cool. Very exciting. So I guess we'll leave it at that. We've been rambling for a while. And if anybody has opinions or comments, you can write to us at podcast.cloudraker.com. Yeah. And thanks to CloudRaker for the support for the podcast. And all of these opinions are ours. Do not necessarily affect those of CloudRaker as a whole. And that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye.